0: We might we might wander into a little bit of live experience because I know Henry and I have both seen them live.
1: Have oh, okay.
0: I. Yeah, Glastonbury, 2004. Was I there? Yeah, it was, I you, know. you and I went. Were you drunk? <laughs> were they did, Were they headlining?
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, we <were> stood up <laughs> um, on the
0: because we did the disabled field and we stood up on the disabled stage because it, it was the best view and we we could legitimately stand at oh, the back of that stage.
2: Oh, yeah, we did.
0: Yeah, Shit, I thought about that. you're listening to I Might Be Wrong, a podcast about music hosted by myself Rich Newnham and my co-host Mr Henry Salmon. Welcome back, it's another episode of I Might Be Wrong. I am Rich Newnham, I am joined by my co-host Mr Henry Salmon. Hello. And this week we have another special guest, we are clearly making this our thing. Welcome to the show Adam Foxcroft.
1: A guest, just guest, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Thanks for having me.
0: I think some of the Long Snapper listeners would would definitely call you special.
1: Yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for those who
0: aren't into the niche of Brits who enjoy American football and Brits who enjoy random obscure music, Adam Foxcroft is the host of the Long Snapper NFL podcast that I am technically still a guest, even though I've been on every pretty much every podcast <laughs> season. <laughs>
1: permanent guest yeah guest who yeah. Is, yeah. who's on every single episode and, you're and adam, not special either rich so no that's very true
0: adam was the adam was the reason that i started on that podcast they were short of numbers one week and uh and he invited me on so i wanted to return the favor and bring him on as a guest here early and on
1: you're short of numbers yeah <laughs> <laughs> always short numbers. running out, running out
0: of ideas yeah it's <laughs> well we, we're 14 podcasts in now I'm amazed we've got this far <laughs> So uh, Adam you are not a big niche specialist small indie band person so you have picked someone rather better known than uh, than our normal acts for this particular podcast.
1: Yeah well as if anybody has ever heard Rich and I talk to each other about music which isn't as much as we'll speak about um, American football because that's maybe too niche. I, I would say I'm st- probably slightly more mainstream in general with my tastes
0: i'm brutally Not... honest about what you think of <laughs> bands and new music generally
1: yeah i, I i'm i from the school of thought that we probably had enough music maybe by the mid-2000s that we didn't need any <laughs> bands to make anymore um o- occasionally rich has sent you know sent me a message saying It will be a Spotify link generally. It'll be, I'll Mm -hmm. listen listen to this and I don't have Spotify. I have Apple music. So yeah, rather than (laughs) anyway, that's neither here nor there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. True. Um, And there was one probably about a month ago and criminally, I couldn't even tell you who it was, but it's you like David Bowie, don't you? So yeah. Yeah. Listen to this. It's of that sort of ilk. And it was, and it sounded great. And, Needless to say, I haven't listened to it since, and couldn't tell you who it was, which is.
0: For anyone out there that likes David Bowie, it was Field Music, and it is really good, and it does sound like David Bowie. Yeah, no, I'm
1: not. I'm not disputing that.
0: Anyway, uh, but Adam, yeah, your normal family my... style, you've got well off the point. Um, <laughs> who, who are you? Who are you uh, going to let us talk about this week?
1: Listen, you knew what you were going to get when you asked me on. Now I'm going to talk about one of the the greatest stadium bands in the world R E O so no R E M R E M <laughs> and um they they to me were i mean my my introduction into music and music tastes probably isn't conventional like a, a lot of people it's just listen to stuff as you as you're young and you're you're getting older and you listen to whatever's on the radio and i did a bit of that but i had I had a friend at school when I was probably twelve thirteen, and we were just talk- talking one day and I sort of thought actually actually, I don't really know what I'm doing here. Can you give me some pointers what give me a couple of bands that I should be listening to, and the first one he came up with was r e m and yeah, I knew some of their some of the stuff that had been on on the radio, obviously like shiny, happy people losing my religion and the they more famous stuff and I said that, yeah that's familiar yeah I really I really like that and then yeah bought out of time and automatic for the people who I think the most two recent albums at the time and bought both of those pretty quickly and but yeah yeah actually I really like this and then you quickly get realized that yeah there's there's some other stuff of a similar style but yeah at that time there would easily be my favorite band to listen to
2: um, so were they your were they your first ever kind of bands that that you started to
1: enjoy? I guess in in that way probably yes. But when when I was younger, I would listen to stuff my parents liked in the car, and you know, it'd be the the Beatles or Simon and Garfunkel, Queen. And yeah. So a lot, you know, I still love <laughs> a lot of that stuff, but th- this was sort awesome. of my first independent not even that as you could tell i'm relying on a friend what, what should i listen to i've got i've got no independent thought um give me, give me something to listen to <laughs> yeah independent thought did spring from there so that that was good
0: i'm genuinely envious if automatic for the people was one of the first if, if that was like in the two first albums you ever went and bought for yourself
1: uh, i'm trying to think if it if i couldn't tell you for certain it actually was it would have been yeah it would not have been far far away
0: right what was your first album rich the first one that i bought with my own money was paul weller's live wood so it's the wild wood album but the live gigs that happened off the back of it and i genuinely didn't know it was a live album for about three years just wasn't aware because it doesn't have any of the kind of crowd noise in the background that you get with a lot of live albums
1: so subconsciously your first purchase you were going off the beaten track already (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was probably on some sale on wh smith and i got it with some smith vouchers that were like left over from christmas or something it, it would have been something like that not nearly as cool as uh automatic for the people
1: on, on cassette, i might add nice nice
0: yeah i don't think i ever bought any albums on cassette i think i only i got gifted a couple at like christmas or whatever but never never bought any for myself straight on cds everything on the cassette was bootlegged from somewhere <laughs> yeah you just buy Wait, like was, 10 packs was, of the blank tapes
2: yeah uh, yeah um, i had a I had a nirvana bootleg and i think it was it was never mind and i think it was about the 10th generation recording so it had gone from <laughs> tape to tape, bit of- to tape to tape and <laughs> and you couldn't really hear anything it was this kind of there was so much background noise you couldn't really work out the song from the static but i still loved it, it
0: my, <laughs> my, amazing. My, my copy of Never- <laughs> that's excellent um, just to
1: be clear i did purchase like the official cassette with like the the black album cover but it's obviously on the cassette it's the wrong shape so they have, it has a different design uh, the but... long fold-out sleeve <laughs> things that you'd have portrait yeah yeah oh yes yeah yeah oh it's all coming back to me <laughs>
0: <laughs> although i'm you, I um, assume you I still have the are... set
1: oh no i don't I, no no i don't have i don't have any cds anymore like, they've reached a point where we just decided everything everything's digital now and i regret this this is probably only five six years ago well,
2: one thing REM did or didn't do was put lyrics in their sleeves i think they're one of the few artists that didn't so if you got an rem album i kept i remember i when i bought new adventures and i was like yeah new adventures i want to unfold the sleeve and look at the nothing there's nothing there. <laughs> they just didn't do that
1: well that that was a that's a problem of for automatic for the people because the sidewinder sleeps tonight i i don't think i'm certain to this day what the lyrics are in the chorus. So
0: apparently this was a running joke with REM about the fact that Michael Stipe kept screwing up the, the <laughs> like the pronunciations and the actual words. So he runs, is it? Call me when you try to wake her up sounds more like calling Jamaica or something <laughs> along those lines, or calling Chadaweka <laughs> or something like that. It's like I have no idea what he's trying to say there. Uh, yeah. But there's a there's a bit where he says um, a reading by Doctor seuss and he actually pronounced it zeus and then chuckles as he starts the next line because (laughs) he's he's like busy laughing at himself (laughs) awesome he's he's an interesting character having seen having seen him live at glastonbury he did spend about a third of the gig just preaching to the crowd rather than actually doing songs and the set was a bizarre so henry you you were there for that allegedly
2: <laughs> As we were discussing earlier, I don't remember anything about the set. I
0: have no idea why I've forgotten it, but I've forgotten they, it completely. They played loads and loads of stuff from the eighties, early eighties albums and only really played about three or four of the hits.
1: That gets that gets people's goats up, doesn't it? it does, <laughs> I don't mind it.
0: I don't mind it if it's like if you're going to see them, if you're paying money to see them at one of their own gigs, I'm fine with it. But if you're playing a festival set, play the fucking hits. <laughs> play the hits because <laughs> most of the crowd don't know most of your stuff and they just want to hear you do Sidewinder sleeps tonight and everybody hurts and all that stuff
1: that's a fair shout actually if you're if you're yeah as as you know I'm not a gig person but if you're if you're the sort of person that likes sleeping in mud for a weekend and you go to something like Glastonbury <laughs> then what you you might see 15 20 different bands on a weekend and you want to hear stuff that you've stuff that you know and you're going to enjoy uh,
2: at obviously least you the would like to
1: discover some things as well but yeah yeah exactly it's the head
2: yeah i saw bob dylan play in the afternoon in glastonbury i can't i don't know what year it was but he um went on stage he played all his all his new stuff which no one ever knows refused to play any of the old stuff he was drunk and a crowd of about twenty thousand just disappeared And by the end of it, there were there were grown men kind of upset and shaking their heads and walking away and Dylan was singing something new on an electric guitar and basically going, Fuck you (laughs) to the whole crowd.
0: (laughs) But he's that kind of character. There are certain characters where they just they just wanna do their own thing and they're almost like pushing back on the fame, fortune, crowd pleasing thing at a big festival. And you were fortunate. So, Adam, you won't know this, but Henry grew up in Froome in Somerset, which is close enough to Glastonbury to get an invite for the, is it the Sundays that they always yeah. give you tickets for? Yeah. So you went to a bunch yeah. of them when you were growing up and saw all sorts of random people.
2: Yeah, my, my first my first gig oh my first ever kind of evening act I have ever saw was Radiohead playing OK Computer for the first time at a festival set. So that was awesome.
1: Not a bad but start.
2: It, it was pretty good. It's kind of if you look at the kind of the top Glastonbury set list of all time, that '97 performance will be on there. So I was watching them going, "Oh, live music's pretty cool. I like this." Um, yeah, that'll hurt you. Having, I had no idea that I'd basically gone in at the, the kind of high point of my entire gig career on the very first night I watched music. So
0: that was nice. <laughs> so any any particular tracks that you pick from from this album? As as favorites, or is it just it's more of an album listening experience for you?
1: There are one or two duds, I would say, but most most of the album I think is absolutely terrific from the very start and drive, which probably isn't what isn't one of the (laughs) sounds ridiculous for me to say, but this isn't uh, one of their big hits or anything. But it just and it's just a little bit. I suppose a lot of REM is slow, minor key dark in places and uh, this this is that but it just had a bit more bit more to it absolutely love the start and and it's bookhead the album is bookended which is definitely a word pretty well with and you've got find the river at the end um yeah and you've got maybe even the the best two tracks on the album to start and finish i would say i mean everybody hurts is absolutely terrific a bit more famous uh, but that (laughs) that, the amount of the amount of pain there and as a as a stupid teenager it speaks to you a bit probably in all the all the wrong ways but uh, yeah absolutely love that and then Night Swimming as well. Love love that
0: track. Night Swimming is probably my favorite on the whole album and I I don't mind an understated song like that there's so much it, it captures this image of just a joyful carefree time in a way that a lot of music doesn't do very well and can end up sounding a bit cliched and a bit cloying and, and syrupy but it, it's this simple hymn and the piano and just this beautiful beautiful melody yeah they they do this again so at my most beautiful
2: um oh, yeah on up is yeah almost, it's quite a similar song and that one every time i hear that just that that's an absolute
1: classic so if you if you don't know that song but you know it's
0: a Night piano Day,
1: again isn't it and that, yep. exactly yeah yeah exactly.
0: i i was i was going to come on to up a little bit because that's actually my personal favorite but mostly because it was the first R.E.M. album that i owned and so it's a little bit more of a we've talked about this before it's a, the first album that you really get into for a band can often be your personal favorite even though it's not necessarily the best album that they've made the interesting thing about night swimming, so obviously we do lots of research before these podcasts, and I wasn't looking this <laughs> stuff up 10 minutes before we got on Skype. <laughs> night swimming is a very specific memory that kicked off the whole song of them doing gigs in Georgia in in the kind of early to mid-90s, and they'd be playing these clubs, and, and everyone's really poor. The clubs don't have any air conditioning. It's like 105 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, And so they'd be playing these gigs and and everyone be dancing away and sweating like absolute animals. And then they'd leave the gig and go to a place called the Bull Pond up the road. And there'd be like 50 odd people from the show who would just go swimming in this in this nearby pond just to cool off. And that's the kind of starting point for that memory of this kind of amazing. You know, you'd have these big electric gigs and then go and do that. And I just think that's really cool.
1: That is cool. Is that is very
0: cool. So I've got many a good random
1: u- things that will inspire <laughs> inspire yeah. music.
2: I've got a good up fact. Go which, for it. Back with our research, um, I found out about ten minutes ago, and I didn't know this. They um, their drummer left, so Bill Berry left just before they started recording up. So up and reveal, and I think around the sun, they're all recorded without a drummer. So up, there is no drummer on up there's a there's a drum track so ah, whenever you hear okay. all the drumming oh, okay. in and all that it's they've just basically programmed that in god can't find someone as good as him so let's just <laughs> use a drum rhythm and we'll play to it so so i assume they must have toured with a session musician to must have done, um, surely but yeah i was like what huh? how do i not know
0: this yes yeah, so i Bill very left Ha. i never knew that yeah up for me is an, i i love that album so i got given that is one of those ask for music for Christmas and your parents don't know what else to get you, so they just get you a few albums. So R.A.M.'s Up was one of the ones that I got. And I remember going up to my room and just listening to it for about three hours on repeat on Christmas Day afternoon, stuffed full of turkey and, and listening to that album. And I think it's probably one of the first albums that I really did the obsessive repeat listening thing with that I tend to do now a lot. If I get into an album a new 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 album on Spotify or whatever it is Spotify Discover throws something at me and I end up getting hooked into the latest album for a band and so that kind of kicked off a lifetime of obsessively listening to music in that way but yeah it's that's a fantastic album and again Adam you mentioned the the REM thing of doing minor key slightly more subdued and it's one of those amazing things that a band that does that. Normally those bands are smaller bands that their fans love them, but they're more niche and not well-known. REM do this and are still a huge stadium rock band. And I think it's a real testament to their songwriting ability that they can be that popular while doing songs that sound sad and low-key.
1: But there's there's plenty of variety as well. So mm-hmm. in in probably, mm-hmm. i say say most, most of their albums maybe by the time they did new adventures and ARP it was perhaps more similar but yeah you'd have something that's fast and loud and then then you might have yeah and and everybody hurts and and there's plenty you know it's not just one string to their bow if you pardon the terrible pun
2: yeah, because I the, the first song I ever listened to of theirs is What's the Frequency, Kenneth, which yeah. starts off with that kind of guitar intro and the fuzzy. Uh, it's kind of heading towards kind of the the grungy indie sound for for the whole whole track, and then you contrast that with Shiny Happy People. They're like they're <laughs> completely different artists almost. So um, yeah, I, I totally
0: get that. What's what's Frequency, Kenneth? That's on Monster, Monster. right? Monster. Yeah. I think that was on a Shine album. Pretty sure I heard it for the first time on one on one of those. And again, it's a weird one for me. I I like Shiny Happy People now, but I hated it when it came out when I was a teenager. I just thought it was this weird, horrible poppy song.
1: No, I'm I'm with you, Henry. (laughs) It's not I don't think I like it. It's not an RM track, is
0: it? No, it doesn't it's... feel like an R.A.M. track. It almost feels like this tongue in cheek dig at something, but I'm not sure what they're having a dig at.
1: Don't like it. It's incredibly repetitive. It doesn't really go anywhere. I don't know if it's I could be completely wrong about this, but it might be one of their biggest hits to sort of break into the UK. Would that be accurate? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. And have they used have they We're sold out? Of the pops, I think and, <laughs> I, I may, yeah. may may well have been. Maybe it's just uh, they couldn't quite crack this market with being as they were. And they thought, oh, let's try something different or let's try something worse. <laughs> 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 yeah.
0: well, it's, it, I mean, that might well be true because they, they've been going for years and years before that. They, they, yeah. they started in the, like, the first albums are in the very early 80s. Things like Murm, yeah, so, And I yeah, really he's... haven't listened to those early 80s albums at all. So, so Murmur
2: got um, got Rolling Stone album of the year. It's basically their, their first go at an album. They they put right. it out. It beat it beat Thriller as Rolling Stones album of the year. So Michael Jackson's like kicked into second place by an album which and Mur- Murmur's pretty good, but I, I don't know it. It you kind have, of you have it's some... not as good as I. Because I only got into Murmur once I'd listened to their the stuff in the 90s
0: and then went back. Do you Please. have any what, what outstanding of... tracks from Murmur? Any stuff that we should be listening to on there? <sighs> no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, maybe um, I'll throw a track or two onto there, onto the Spotify playlist from there.
1: Radio Free Europe. I'm just, I've just, I have to full full disclosure. I've googled the track listing, but Radio Free <laughs> Europe is the first one. Um, that's right. worth a listen.
0: Cool. All right, we'll stick that one on there then. But Henry, you you wouldn't agree with either of us on. REM album you 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 picked a different one
2: uh yeah I did I went for new adventures in hi-fi because it's I think it's the most REM REM album so it kind of gets the the best of their their early work of being uh, I I guess it's quite it's quite detailed it's quite a lot of the tracks on there sound like REM tracks basically but Yep. the reason that I, I don't think people really like it is because it doesn't start very well. So the first couple of songs on there are a little bit bland and it kind of plods along. But if you go, if you listen to New Adventures and start at Bittersweet Me, so Bittersweet Me is probably the most REM of REM tracks ever. And and then the the last <laughs> half the is amazing and it finishes with Electrolyte, which was on Top of the Pops, I think, and is a, quite a well-known song.
0: It's a and That's a brilliant that, song. Yeah,
2: that that second half of the album is so good that I just I think it's my favorite album just because of that.
0: Yeah, I really like I think Ziver is the track that I really like on there. It's another one that's a bit of a a bit of a random one that and Ebo the Letter is a fantastic song.
1: That's, but yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. don't
0: know that I've listened to New Adventures in Hi-Fi nearly as much as I have Up and Automatic for the People.
2: There's a track on there. So Be Mine as well is on there and listen to that and it just starts off quite quietly and it just builds up and builds up and you can feel like the king of the world if you're listening to that walking down the street so that's a good one to to
0: to try if you don't know it and was that was that an album that you discovered first time around when it came out it was it was exactly as you said it it was a christmas album so
2: it was on my christmas list i got it as a present listened to it repeatedly for hours and hours and hours on, on christmas day and boxing day and yeah but that's how it kind of stuck for me. I but I did know them before, so I I, I got the other albums. Oh, I,
0: I got Automatic for the People. So it wasn't an alien album to me. Nice, classic, classic. <laughs> Absolutely, and we've sort of ignored Out of Time, which again is is a very good album. New, Losing My Religion being the song that everyone will know off. There, I looked on. I looked on the Spotify most played REM tracks and they're almost exclusively from out of time or automatic from the people and losing my religion has 400 million plays (laughs) what yeah
2: trivia for out of time and i looked this up five minutes ago as well but (laughs) uh, so they didn't know what to call the album and they'd got to the point of printing everything on the album apart from the album title so the actual the, the disc was being cut and they didn't know what to do. And one of the band members said, "We're out of time," and <laughs> they used that because nice. that was the last, pretty much that's the brilliant. last thing they said. They all went, "That's it. That's what we need to use."
0: That's what you do for a lot of the long snapper uh, pod titles, isn't it, Adam? <laughs> last random joke <laughs> that's made at the end of the podcast.
1: Sometimes I write something down, and then it'll get super. It'll get superseded. So whatever's the most recent thing will often <laughs> often go in. Um, from out of time, just a personal favorite song and it's like nothing else that rem do this is this is again just testament to them uh radio song so i think the first first track again it's just quirky it's it's just it's it's mad um and it's absolutely brilliant
0: and i think that's that's again that's one of the things we've talked about other bands like this Uh, rem's ability to move with the times move with new interesting things that they haven't done before that that ability to be inventive and be creative while still sounding like R.A.M. is is probably one of the things that's kept them as as big a band as they've remained over the years. And I don't know that I've listened to much of – I did have a quick look at some of the recent albums, and I don't think I've listened to much of probably the last four or five albums that they've released. But certainly yeah. in those 90s albums, there's so much variety in there. And it does all have an rem ish minor key – slightly depressive they're not depressing songs but they have a depressive edge to them that can be quite weirdly uplifting at times (laughs) certainly if you're in the mood where you're pissed off at the world and you you need a bit of bit of release they can be excellent on that front
2: well i think a lot of people agree with you given that they've sold so many albums i mean they're they're a mega band of all of the the bands we've talked about so far these guys are probably the the biggest that's yeah
0: they've done well absolutely so henry we we've mentioned briefly live stuff we do try and talk a bit about live performances so you you handily don't remember seeing them exactly have you seen them any other times or <laughs> no, is that the only time you've i don't seen think them? so i don't you know shit face that evening i don't remember you being drunk no i don't know it just passed me by i have an abiding memory or well, two abiding memories from that set one is Michael Stipe talking absolute bollocks for large chunks of of his set. Where I was just like, what is this guy talking about? Just get on with playing the music. And the other one was them playing Everybody Hurts. And I remember, so I'm shout out to one of my friends here. So my friend Emily, who I've known since sick form at school, she had a bit of a tough time of it through sick form and into university and was really not in a particularly great place she's a big ram fan and so i remember them starting to play everybody hurts and i called her at the start of the song and just pointed my phone at the stage for five minutes while they played everybody hurts and then as they got to the end of it just was like hope you enjoyed that and like hung up and that was it that was the full interaction of the whole thing but i have this (laughs) absolutely crystal clear memory of of just like that adds something special every time I listen to that song. That's cool. Yeah. So I was going to say, if there are there any other bands that you've got into from learning that you liked R.A.M., but doesn't sound like that's really <laughs> how your brain works on this stuff.
1: <laughs> no, I, I think I've shortly after then I've gained my own independent thoughts again. Um, <laughs> I think I think after then it it would have been. I don't know if this the word Britpop is is banned on your podcast or if, is, no. is is that too? Uh, I'm not even sure it's an accurate word, um, but it became a it became a thing. And Oasis Oasis ahead of Blur for me, although I'm not so not so sure I'd say the same now, but definitely at the time. And that sounds weird for a southerner to say, like if it's a <laughs> north south thing, I don't know, but um, it was it was definitely Oasis way ahead of Blur at the time and yeah from there sort of pulp um loved um a different class and yeah common people when you first heard that and i didn't really know much about pulpit at the time I thought this is but there was there were so many there was an ocean color scene as another one oh yeah amazing and dodgy and yeah you could suede i love dodgy
0: never has a band managed to make so much out of so little lyrical creativity as dodgy did
1: <laughs> that might not be the best example but it, it popped <laughs> into my head oh uh, i know but... i
0: love them I, I genuinely loved them at the time but if you write the line you've got to fly all like over and over again like there's no real <laughs> lyrical genius going on there it's just a fun dodgy, song wasn't wasn't that cast am um, i getting the two mixed up dodgy's staying out for the summer Oh, that's right. Yeah, no, cast, you're right.
1: That's cast. That's quite similar. cast, 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 No, you can't say cast.
0: Cast. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So really the Britpop era is what that led you into. Just just discovering more, listening yeah. to more contemporary yeah. bands at the time and then basically just staying in that era for the rest of your life.
1: essentially. actually. <laughs> you, you mentioned, it's funny, you mentioned the Shine album. Yeah, um, I definitely bought a few of those, and that was, yep. and I've heard you talk about this, this on the this podcast before, I think, or or maybe outside of this podcast, but it introduced you to other things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. You know, a, a double CD. I was into CDs by then. I've moved on, moved on from cassettes. <laughs> uh, but you'd find, you know, there might be twenty or thirty different new new artists to discover on one of those.
0: Yeah. And I think we had we had a bit of a chat with with a friend on on this front. And I think we might actually expand this out to talk about some compilation albums and film soundtracks and things like that were influential rather than just limiting it to specific band albums. And for me, I definitely want to talk about a couple of the Shine albums if we do do that just just a brilliant way to there's not anything like that now i don't think i guess you've got spotify which will just throw all sorts of stuff at you
1: well people people don't buy music like that anymore no um you know it would be you know i would go uh you know, as, a, as a teenager i would go to our price our price in bishop's Stortford, mm-hmm. wandering there and you just and you browse stuff and and you discover music okay. that way yep. it sounds ridiculous now uh, yeah. the, the idea that you you might buy something and not really know it. Um, now you can obviously mm. it's Spotify, Apple Music, whatever you li- you can listen to whatever you like and try it out for kind of for free and you just there's no commitment to a purchase. But back then it would be and the price was higher back then. It, you know, it might be 15 pounds for a new album yeah, and as a as a poor teenager that's a a considered purchase.
0: Yeah. Absolutely, and you might only be able to buy an album once every month or so, yeah, depending yeah. on how much a paper round paid you.
1: <laughs> but, but
0: that's no, that's exactly it. I mean, I remember it was. It, we've talked about it briefly in the podcast before, but this lottery of you'd hear two or three songs off Shine CD or off the radio or whatever. And then you'd go out and you'd buy the album and be utterly disappointed. Now, Henry, you mentioned garbage. <laughs> you went and bought a garbage CD off the off the back of one track.
2: Maybe I was a bit harsh on them.
0: But, but it's it, <laughs> yeah, that's true.
2: My my dad talks about buying Beatles albums. He wasn't a massive fan of Beatles, but he, he would buy them because when, when you took it home and you whacked it on the, the record there, you just didn't know what you were going to get. He said because the Beatles were so creative and they broke so much new ground which we, it's hard for us to quite realize how far they went but but you, you listen to them just to go what the hell is this noise you know, sonically they were so different but you just it you paid your money and you've got something completely new out of it
1: this might not be the time to talk about the beatles but have you ever listened to revolution nine all the way through
0: yep <laughs> just oh. to see what happened
1: <laughs> <laughs> i'm not saying you're going to enjoy it but i think it's something that you should do there's an insight into how messed up things probably, <laughs> probably were. Well,
2: I've not done that. I, it, what, what is this? Explain. It's,
1: this is on the white album and yeah. it's about, it's, it's eight minutes of just nonsense. It's just noise. And there's this, okay. it, it, I'm guessing they were in a state, they were ludicrously successful and they were arguing with each other and probably didn't care. And it's just like, we could just, I could just release garbage Luckily, <laughs> luckily the rest of the album's amazing, and it, it you could you could skip past it in this day and age. But
0: I'm pretty yeah, just... sure that is a co-written Lennon Yoko Ono track. I think it's when he was starting to write experimental stuff with her.
1: Yeah, this that was beyond experimental. <laughs> it was just just craziness all the... and
0: all. I have issues with the White Album. I think it shouldn't be a double album. It should be a single album. Then you can cut out all the crap. And just have an amazing one one record album.
1: This is we're definitely going down a tangent here, aren't we? This <laughs> I, I, I think eighty percent of it is immense. Yeah,
0: um, and I'm I, not and sure I'd actually, go that high.
1: Okay, well maybe we'll maybe, have you back we,
0: on to talk about the White Album. <laughs>
1: okay, that's a deal. <laughs>
0: when we get to when we get to the Beatles I've got we've been talking about this I think we'll end up doing multiple podcasts on certain artists because they're so influential on our tastes and we'll want to talk about specific albums rather than just trying to cover 20 years of Beatle career in one go she could just end up being a mess it will almost certainly end up being a mess anyway but (laughs) at least we can be a little bit more structured (laughs) cool well that was really interesting thanks for joining us adam i would hope we can have you back on at some point in the future if you're up for it
1: i would love to yeah that's cool. been good fun
0: maybe we can talk about some Britpop next time
1: yep sounds good excellent right. cheers adam <laughs> cheers guys
0: cheers thank you for listening to another episode of i might be wrong